Welcome to Together Apart. If you and your significant other spend a lot of time apart due to traveling or demanding schedule, this is the show for you. Dr. Christina Real is a psychologist whose husband works out of state half the year. She brings her personal experience and expertise in dealing with that reality to this show. She and her guests give you practical tools and solutions so you can navigate the unique challenges of sticking together while you're apart. Now, here's Together Apart, hosted by Dr. Christina. Welcome back for the seventh episode of the Together Apart podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Christina. One of the hallmarks of a healthy, satisfying relationship is the ability to communicate effectively with your partner. For couples who are often apart, this skill is even more critical. I've received a ton of feedback asking for more information about communication and the skills we discussed on the third episode of the podcast, which was called It's What You Say and How You Say It. During this episode, I'm going to give you some more information about John Gottman's Four Horsemen, which can lead to really difficult things in a relationship and sometimes even divorce. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the importance of listening to hear versus listening to respond. And I'm going to give you a really great, easy activity that you can try in your home today to help improve your communication with your partner. And um, as a spoiler alert, it'll be a bit of a dance. So as I said, I got some feedback from you guys wanting to know more about these four horsemen of the apocalypse when it comes to relationships. And I really want to give you some more insight about these four horsemen and kind of how to stop them from happening in your relationship. Now, just as a review, the four horsemen were developed by the Gottmans and they research a great deal. So they have been collecting data on couples for many, many years. And through their research, what they've found is that when conflict occurs in a relationship, because it occurs in every single relationship, it's really how you manage the conflict rather than conflict existing that can predict the end of a relationship. When it comes to conflict, the first step is to sort of accept that it's going to be there. And communication tools can help you to resolve conflict without resorting to these four horsemen. So just to briefly go over what the four horsemen are again, the first one is criticism. And really what this means is verbally attacking your partner's characteristics or personality. The second one is contempt, so attacking someone's sense of self, really intending to insult them. The third one is defensiveness, victimizing yourself in order to reverse blame. And then stonewalling, which is really just withdrawing altogether and creating a lot of distance and separation. This is one that I call the shutdown. So these four horsemen tend to show up mostly in conflict. Conflict is a natural part of a relationship. And I want to stress that. I know I said it like two seconds ago when I first led into these four horsemen. But I think that it is so, so important for you all to recognize that just because you have conflict in your relationship doesn't mean your relationship is doomed. In fact, if you have conflict, the more you're able to work through it and to be able to recognize that conflict is okay if you manage it, the better off you're going to be. The worst thing or one of the worst things that you can do when you have a conflict with your partner is to brush it 
under the rug because it will sit there and it will fester and it will not go away even if you really, really want it to. The best way to manage conflict is to address it. And the trouble with the four horsemen is that they can come up when you're feeling highly emotional, when you really want to get your point across, when you're really feeling angry at your partner. And those are the times where we're most emotional. When we're most emotional, sometimes we say things we don't mean to say. We say things we don't really feel proud of. So when we look at conflict and think about how these four horsemen come about, the key is to be able to understand your own emotional response, take some deep breaths, and really recognize that you are not fighting or having a conflict with your partner in order to win. You're managing a conflict for the betterment of your relationship. It's not about being right or being wrong or your partner being wrong and you knowing that you are 100% correct. It's about managing so that you as a couple, as a partnership can be better when you leave the conflict than when you came into it. And this is something that I feel so passionately about and has come up in my relationship with Matt over and over and over again. It's the reminder when I'm in a conflict to say, I'm not trying to win because it's not about that. I'm trying to manage through so that that we can come out the other side of this with more respect for one another, with more affection for one another, because we have worked together to resolve something really hard. So when it comes to the four horsemen, we have some things that you can do in order to sort of make sure you're not engaging in these four horsemen. So for example, when it comes to things like criticism, a really easy fix for being critical of your partner is to talk about your feelings and what you need with I statements. And we talked about this again in the third episode. So when you use I statements, you take ownership of your own needs and your own emotional experience. And that is such a powerful thing for you to be able to do. Because by taking ownership of how you feel and by taking ownership of what you need, you are not saying to your partner, it's your fault that you are making me feel. It's your problem that you are making me feel. You know, you're not saying things like, you never think about how your behavior affects other people. You, 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 you. What we're saying is, I felt X, Y, and Z when you didn't do something. And you're taking ownership of those feelings. So that gentle use of I statements can really counteract this horseman of criticism. The second horseman, contempt. This is the idea of attacking somebody's sense of self. Remember that you and your partner have positive qualities, even in conflict. And you can really point out the things that you appreciate about your partner. Even in conflict, you can point out or bring up the things that you appreciate. You can say things like, you know, I appreciate your passion about this topic, or I appreciate that you feel so strongly about this particular thing, or I understand that you're just trying to protect our family, or um, I understand that you are just trying to be the best employee that you can possibly be. 
if we are able to build in some of that appreciation, even in conflict, you will be able to sort of counteract some of this contentment from building in your relationship. Contempt is a hard one because when resent for a partner in a relationship starts to build, those backhanded sort of insults become very easy to throw. There's a there's a lot of uh, breeding ground for that in a relationship where you are apart often. Those insults, those backhanded sarcastic comments, they can come from that resentment. And so we really want to take note of how we're interacting with our partner when it comes to those things. The third horseman is the defensiveness. And the way that you can counteract this is really by having an opportunity to accept and understand your partner's perspective. You may not agree with your partner's perspective all the time, but you can see where they're coming from and accept their perspective. If your partner perceives that you've done something wrong, in that situation, it's it's hard not to want to feel defensive. But something that you can do is say something like, I understand you feel that I've done X, Y, and Z thing. Can you help me to understand why you feel that way? So saying something like that versus, I didn't do anything. You did something. It's your fault. I didn't do anything wrong. When we become defensive, we build up a culture of walls. And by building a culture of walls in a relationship, you're not letting your partner into your experience. So if you can understand your partner's perspective, even if you don't agree, and give them an opportunity to express how they're feeling, even if you feel that it's inaccurate, you take an opportunity to be able to share your perspective with your partner rather than just sort of acting like this shield where you're defending from your partner's observations or your partner's perspective. It may just be a misunderstanding and you may be able to offer some clarity if you are able to really be open to your partner's perspective. And the last horseman that I've talked about is this, this idea of stonewalling or uh, the shutdown. When it comes to stonewalling, the best thing that you can do, and again, we talked about this on the first episode, is take a break. Take a break and spend some time either helping yourself to feel more calm and centered or doing something together as a couple to help you reconnect before you re-enter this conversation. It is so important for you to come back to the conflict if you step away. But if you are feeling emotionally flooded, stonewalling can happen really fast. The best thing for you to do at that point is to step away and re-engage when you and your partner have calmed down a bit and have found that you are able to then re-engage in the discussion in a respectful and grounded way. So the idea is to not break down, but to stop the conversation before it leads to you wanting to just hang up the phone or just walk away from the conversation if you're in the same space at that time. Um, Some of the warning signs for going toward stonewalling is the quick exit. (laughs) Um, I gotta go. You know, how many times have we been in a difficult conversation on the phone and you just want to hang that phone up? In a relationship where you are apart a lot of the time, that is such a danger because we have this device that we can just 
put down and you're not faced with your partner after that. So it takes extra intention to go back and to restart that conversation. I've talked to you a bit more about these four horsemen and now I want to transition to give you a really, really great skill called the tango for communication because it offers you an opportunity to listen, to hear your partner versus listen to respond to your partner. And when you're having difficult conversations or even when you're having any conversation at all, having a skill that you can use that forces you to listen, to hear, will give you the best chance for success in that conversation. I mean, we're really taught that by listening in a conversation, you're listening to give your feedback and you're listening to respond to that person. But I would counter that by saying that If you're only listening so that you can determine the next thing that you want to say, are you really listening at all? Are you really hearing what your partner's saying? Or are you just ready to tell your story or to say something that you have to say? It's so easy to be in a situation where you want to get something out and therefore are just like waiting for your partner to stop talking so that you can get in the next Thing that you want to say. And this is especially true in conflict. Oftentimes we have this own, our own narrative sort of going on in our head about what we want to say, how we want to say it, and what we want to do. But if you stop and think, how helpful is that? How helpful is it to be consistently in your own mind versus consistently present with your partner. The tango skill really offers you an opportunity to take on either the role of a listener or the role of a speaker. When you take on this particular role, you have one focus. If you're the speaker, the focus is presenting how you feel. And if you're the listener, your focus is not what you're going to say back. It's what are you saying to me? How can I hear you best? And how can I support you best in what you're trying to tell me? The tango technique was developed by Regent University in this HOPE model for couples. And you can find a lot of their work on ehope.com. And so the tango was developed by Regent University to help couples to to communicate better and to make communication more focused and allow both the listener and the speaker to take on very specific roles so that you have one goal versus the goal of saying the next thing that you want to say in the conversation. What is the tango? So the tango is a acronym. The T in tango stands for tell what happened directly and briefly. The A in tango stands for affected me. The N stands for nurturing statement. The G is now the listener, got it. And the O is observe effects. So the first three letters, T-A-N, are where the speaker in the exercise is going to be communicating. And the last two letters, the G and the O, are where the listener is going to be performing their piece. You have to choose in your partnership which person is going to be the speaker first and which person is going to be the listener first. So once you've decided that, what I'd like you to do is to sort of pick 
something that you disagree with your partner on, but isn't overly emotional. So you don't want to start with the most emotionally difficult thing that is going on in your relationship. Start with a low-hanging fruit, something that you know you kind of disagree on, but isn't overly emotionally activating. Once you've done that, The speaker is going to first tell what happened directly and briefly, date the facts. These facts should be admissible in court. You don't want to be using emotion language. So your uh, first sentence should not start with, I feel like this is all about communicating directly, briefly, fact-based, almost like you are um, delivering the opening statement in a courtroom, right? It has to be admissible. So you can't talk about your feelings because feelings aren't facts. So if you focus on the facts and your perspective, that's what the T is all about. The next thing you're going to do is the A. So you're going to say how those facts affected you. And at this point, this is where you try to put a emotion or a feeling word in. I felt mad. I felt unhappy. I felt betrayed. I felt jealous. I felt lonely. The way that the event or the facts affected you is the A. The third piece is this nurturing statement. Tell your partner something you appreciate or value about them. This is again a way to avoid the critical statements and say something like, I appreciate that you, I understand that you, I value that you are. You want to make it something related to what you're talking about. Tell what happened directly and briefly. So, you know, you you say something like, you had to work overtime and you were taking calls at 10 o'clock at night and I was trying to get all the kids in bed and you were not available to be part of our family when you were at home. So that's your T. A, how it affected me. I feel lonely and I feel hurt and I feel mad when you take phone calls that late at night and it makes me feel like I'm alone in this relationship. Nurturing statement. I understand that you're trying to be the best employee that you can be and I appreciate that you want to do the best you can for our family by doing a great job at work. Hey, so that's the first three steps. That's your speaker step. Now it's time for the listener. So the first part of the listener's role is got it. So the G. When we are looking at the got it piece, we want you, the listener, to be able to reflect back what your partner's saying. So not word for word, but you want to hit all of the main points that your partner has just told you. I'm not asking you to be a parrot, (laughs) but I am asking you to give them back what they've given you. Tell them what you heard. So in this example, I heard you say that when I take phone calls late at night, it makes you feel lonely, mad, and upset. And I hear that you're appreciating the fact that I am trying to be the best employee that I can be, but I also hear that that's not easy for you when you're trying to manage everything at night. So Now it goes back to the speaker and the speaker can either say, yep, you got it or nope, you didn't get it and then restate what they um, were trying to say. And sometimes you might get stuck here and that's okay. You can go back and forth with the got it and then the speaker retelling until both the speaker and the listener feel that they've understood what 
the speaker has said. Now, after this, it is an opportunity for both the speaker and the listener to take a step back and understand how the conversation is affecting you. Are we doing okay? Is anybody feeling very emotional? Does anybody need to take a time out? Or are we okay to keep talking and to keep tangoing? And if you feel okay and that the emotional uh, load of the conversation isn't too high, then you switch roles. And now it's the listener's turn to tell the speaker how they are feeling and and what they observed about that particular situation. In this example, it would give the speaker an opportunity to say, you know, maybe context around why they were on the phone or why they needed to be on the phone. And really, this this exercise is not designed to solve anything. It's designed for you to practice speaking to one another and listening to how one another is feeling. And when we are not engaging in this kind of conversation in order to solve anything, it kind of takes the pressure off. Now, in the end, you might decide, okay, we've tangoed enough and we want to come to a conclusion. And that's great. And the tango can lead to that. Um, But you really want to use the tango in order to focus on this listen and speak. So I really hope that you guys have taken a lot away from this episode, which is sort of a follow-up to communication. We really talked in depth about those four horsemen and the importance of making sure that you are listening to hear your partner, not just listening to respond. The tango was also given to you guys, and I would love to hear how it works for you. Um, Again, it was developed by Regent University, and um, it's a great, simple tool to start to hone in on your ability to listen to hear versus listen to respond. Keep telling me what you guys are thinking about the podcast, what you want to hear more of, what you want me to bring to the table. And I'm so excited to also announce that in the next few weeks, my website, drreal.com, will be up and running. So I will let you guys know when that is up and running, but it is getting so close and it's very exciting. On that website, you're going to be able to download some great resources. Um, Some of you have asked me if I do consultations. A lot of you have asked me um, if I have any programs. It is all coming to you, and I'm so excited about it. So keep telling me what's going well. Keep telling me what you need from me, and I look forward to coming back with you in the coming weeks with a wonderful guest, uh, Dr. Megan Cannon, a sports psychologist who's going to talk with us about mindset. Um, and how that can affect your relationship. And we're going to get that podcast about the uh, monthly marriage meetings up and running. I have a wonderful guest coming on with that one as well. So as always, follow me at Dr. Real on Facebook and on Instagram. Interact with me. Tell me what you need. And uh, we will be back here next week. Thank you for tuning in to Together Apart with Dr. Christina. For more resources and information, head over to drreal.com. Be sure to hit the subscribe button and join us next time for another episode of Together Apart.